0: Joel, the Middle East, including the Holy Land, seems to constantly be in the news. There have been a lot of population moves, refugees, terrorism, warfare, unrest, threats to Israel all the time. What is it about this region that seems to make it a magnet for for all this turmoil? Well, that's a
1: great question. And it's certainly been uh, uh, what I call the epicenter of the world. It just draws... Jerusalem as, as as a city, uh, certainly the Israel and the Holy Land generally, it's just a magnet uh, for global attention. Uh, and, you know, it's interesting because Jerusalem is not, um, you know, it's not a city on the highest mountain in the world. It's not, a, it's not located on a river. It's not sitting on a big mountain of gold or oil. You think, well, why is Jerusalem such a, a focal point? Why is the Middle East a focal point? And I would argue that it's because of the Bible. God decided that Israel was important because He He, he chose it to be, and He chose Israel uh, Israel for Himself, Jerusalem for Himself, and so the enemies of God have made enemies of of, of Israel and the Jewish people and and Jerusalem, and and that that uh, that conflict tragically uh, is, is four thousand plus years old, and it is real as today's headlines.
0: Your books have often seemed to almost predict events that are going to take place in the Middle East or somewhere around the world. So do you specifically pray for creative ideas and wisdom?
1: I pray for creative ideas and wisdom. I don't pray for insight into what will happen. I'm not
0: trying to
1: predict the future. I'm not, uh, you know, for example, uh, Richard, my first uh, political thriller was called The Last Jihad. I began writing it in January of 2001. The first pages of that book put you inside the cockpit of a jet plane hijacked by radical Islamist terrorists coming in on a kamikaze attack mission into an American city, and then that leads to a war with Iraq. Now, I wrote that nine months before September 11th, 2001, and I was finishing it on the morning of 9-11 in Washington, D.C., right here where we lived for so many years so i was not trying to predict that that would happen in fact i was stunned that it actually really did happen and it happened differently from my novels but but i am writing about worst case scenarios things, horrible evil tragic scary things that could happen in the world i pray that actually don't happen but sometimes i'm closer to you know writing about things that could happen and, and, and they actually do but it's not my intent.
0: Your latest work is called The uh, Jerusalem Assassin. Now, where does this take us?
1: So in The Jerusalem Assassin, the latest political thriller, um, the president of the United States is about to roll out his big Middle East peace plan. Uh, He's been working on it with his national security team for several years, and he wants to uh, uh, unveil it in a big event on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem because he wants to He hopes the plan will bring peace between the Israelis and the Palestinians. Unfortunately, a series of senior U.S. officials involved in helping him draft the peace plan start getting assassinated. And the president is inclined. uh, He's rattled. He's wondering, maybe I shouldn't put the peace plan out right now. And just at that moment, he gets a a back-channel message from the Saudi government. And the Saudi crown prince basically says to the president, if you will invite me to Jerusalem for a high-profile peace summit with the Israeli prime minister and with you, Mr. President, you being the host, and you sort of insist that I come, I will come. And the president sort of gets electrified by the idea that maybe he could help foster or broker an Israeli-Saudi historic, unprecedented peace treaty and uh, all of the president's security advisors think that's a that's a dangerous idea to have them all meet in Jerusalem. But the president goes forward, and now the clock is sort of ticking as Air Force One is going to be coming, the Saudis are coming, the Israelis are there, and the bad guys are coming too. And that is the setup for, uh, for the, the Jerusalem assassin.
0: And certainly you can't give it away, so I appreciate what you told us there. Uh, I saw that author Brad Thor is getting pretty excited about this. What other feedback are you getting so far?
1: Well, it's it's uh, it's just coming out now. So uh, yeah, Brad, uh, who's a number one New York Times best-selling uh, novelist, uh, uh political thriller is also a similar genre. Uh, he was, you know, he and I don't know each other. We're getting to know each other, but he was very gracious. Read an advance manuscript several months ago, and you know, thank God. He, he loved it and gave me a huge endorsement, uh, which I'm very, very uh, grateful for. It's interesting over the years. You know, we've there's some five million copies of these novels uh, of mine in print. So um, it, it, lots of different types of people are reading them here, and they're translated in two dozen countries around the world. But what's interesting is also some of the people that read them are, are world leaders. Vice President Pence is a longtime fan, he and his wife, uh, of my books. Uh, Secretary of State Pompeo has been reading my books since he was back in the House of Representatives and has become a friend. King Abdullah of Jordan, I actually made him a character in one of my novels a few years ago. Uh, ISIS is trying to uh, kill the king of Jordan, blow up his palace, and take over his country. Now, as it turns out, the king actually read one of those books in that series and rather than banning me from his country decided to invite me and my wife for 5 days to Amon Jordan to come and get to know him and his his senior team and basically to show us how he's working every day to make sure my novels don't come true and we had uh, three meetings with him including a private lunch at his palace the palace that I had blown up in the book so uh, it was, it's always interesting to see to meet people who are reading these novels, um, but also sometimes you know they're are people in very high places. President, former President George W. Bush has been reading the last several novels and has sent me these notes for it, and you know, so I'm kind of amazed always to see the reach of uh, of fiction.
0: Are you ever utilized as a? Uh a back channel from person A to person B, say, politically or something like that? No comment. Thank you. So, what I was going to ask is, your your books are not necessarily Christian novels, but generally almost always have references to, to faith, to belief, to Christ, sometimes just outright. Now, do you believe that this gets more books into the hands of more people because it's not really a Christian novel?
1: Well, I, I, I'm not sure if I'm the best one to judge in terms of its effectiveness in terms of sales. They have been bestsellers and they're doing well, but um, you know, I am up against all the political thriller writers uh, on the New York times list who, who use language that I wouldn't feel comfortable with who write about sexual, you know, content that I wouldn't I don't include in my books Um, I think mine are as violent as anybody else's uh, for better or for worse Um, but mine also do have a faith element you're right I wouldn't describe this as Christian fiction but you know I used to be a fan uh, in the in the 80s and 90s of of Tom Clancy uh, who was really the master at these types of political and military thrillers one of the things that intrigued me about his books, uh, uh, even though I love them oh, oh, by and large, was that none of his characters who were dealing with life and death decisions, they never seemed to be worried about what would happen to them when they died. And I thought, you know, I realize they're fictional characters, but you're creating them to feel very real. I realize that not everybody thinks about these things, but some people do. And when you're dealing with nuclear threats and, terrorism and, and and war and and you know hostages and assassinations these are these raise questions uh, of death and loss and what what's the purpose of life and where do we where do we go after we die if anywhere and i think these are super important questions so so some of my characters are on spiritual journeys not all of them and i have a you know Anybody that's read my books know there's a wide range of Muslim characters, Jewish characters, Christian, atheist, agnostic. Um, but I think having a faith element, well, it's certainly important to me. So whether people buy them or not, I'm, that's the way I uh, I like to rule. And I'm fascinated. I love it when when people who are Christians and they do enjoy the novels, when they think, oh, you know, what this would be an interesting novel to give to my dad or my brother or my you know my neighbor who. Uh, I don't really know how to have a spiritual conversation with him or her, but but I think they might find this interesting. And uh, I, I enjoy the way Christians use these books as gifts uh, to get, you know, to see if they can plant some seeds with other people.
0: Joel C. Rosenberg, thank you very much for speaking with us. Honored to be with you. Thank you so much.